Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we're two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. So true. So true. How are you guys doing? How is everybody? Thank you so much for tweeting at us at StrugglebusPod and emailing us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com and the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420. We got some great people who are yeah. struggling and contacting each other for Totally. Help. That's an awesome hashtag and also it like auto completes for me yes when I start typing like s-t-r-u-g it fills in all the way to the 420 mine used to be like Streisand all the way forever (laughs) and it just changed so that's pretty cool Uh, you can always tweet at Sally at Sally T or me at S-P-K Heller um, thank you so much again for the animal pictures too. Yeah, never, never too many of those. Never send them in. I didn't used to be an animal picture person. Oh man, but I now super am. I also like... animal gifts, also animal videos. Oh, you're so you win with the animal. Videos. I'm like pretty in it. You're you're in it and you win it. I'm in it. Yeah, like there's not even a competition. Um, also, we got our first review. Oh yeah, we from, did. Um, Flirt with provocative, and her her uh, Twitter is at provoking flirt and she said uh this advice this is the advice podcast for those that are frustrated with dear dear knee columns in trashy magazines telling you how to quote keep hold of your man and quote why your facial expressions at the gym are aging you though we can address those problems. we can definitely address those <laughs> problems and as she says real articles that i came across in british magazines this week Thanks. instead we hear frank and personal accounts of the day-to-day struggles of the host kate and sally's Uh, Kate and Sally face oh the the struggles we face not our faces making faces at the gym the topics are centered around but are not exclusive to women's and LGBTQ issues which are things that I'm very passionate about for me it hits a spot says some other things and she also says I don't 100% agree with everything that they say that's okay, you guys. You don't have to. I mean, you should. We'd like probably. it. <laughs> You'd be probably functioning optimally as human beings if you did, but, you know. And then she goes, but the way they analyze day-to-day interactions is very interesting for me as someone who scrupulously picks apart the world around her, hence, hence the blog. So definitely check it out. We'll link to it. And that was really, really sweet. Yeah, thank you for that. And anyone out there who wants to start a blog for the purpose of reviewing us, yeah, please, please go do. for it. Yeah, please do. And uh, tweet at us. Yeah. So, uh, Sally, do you want to talk about about your uh, struggles or are you so fascinated? Do I? (laughs) (laughs) I am so eager to talk about this particular topic that I actually suggested we do the entire show just with us ranting about our own things. Fantastic. We don't have to do that, but I do want to say I have been really having a hard time with the way people have been reacting to marriage equality. Tell Um, tell me how, because I'm curious. Okay, here's the thing. It could be because because of where we live and because of, like, the demographic I'm in and the people I'm around. But the, like, insane... Sorry, let me not use that word. Full disclosure, we live in Celebration, Florida. (laughs) We do, we do. (laughs) it's the happiest place on Earth. Yeah, so I guess that explains it. No, but, like... um, the the elation and excitement and over the moon um celebratoriness of of the supreme court's ruling what it was just so seemed so intensely over the top to me um because you know marriage equality 
whether or not marriage is a thing that we should be fighting for at all is kind of its own issue. Mm-hmm. Like, I personally don't believe that in order to get health care, you should have to enter into a marriage or, in order, order to change to your, your immig- spouse in, in the hospital. Right. Yeah, everything or, about Or it. your immigration status. Like, I don't believe that we should be policing the rights people should have by saying you can get this if you enter into a marriage. So I think that's garbage. And there are a lot of awesome essays online by queer people about the fight for marriage and how it has really unradicalized um, queer rights movements and how it has also privileged the, you know, basically like white supremacy and white people um, and like gay, cis white people over trans people, over um, queer people of color, trans people of color, and so on. Um, And so I have a hard time really, I just can't get it up for marriage. Like I don't think it's like we should be fighting for it. I don't think it's like intersectional at all. I don't see how it can be. That aside, um, you know, the fact that people were so over the moon, especially allies, I have to say, like, I saw, I mean, I know queer people who are like, oh, cool, marriage equality. But I, I saw a lot of people who don't, who identify as straight, who were just going crazy about about the Supreme Court decision. And the cynical part of me was like, okay, like they can now feel less ashamed that they got married when their friends couldn't. Like, because I think that like, if you got married when it was illegal for like your loved ones to do it, like that should be on your conscience. But um, that was kind of a joke that I posted on Facebook. No one got the joke part. Everyone thought I was like, (laughs) but anyway, whatever. But it it was a joke, but also I was serious. But the other thing is just like, there's a lot of fucking things happening in our country right now, like at this point. But I think when this passed, there had been like four or five or six church burnings of black congregations across the South. But Sally, they're not CBSs. That's true. So why are we even talking about it? Exactly. But like they're church burnings. Um, like all these all this police brutality all of these police murders and i feel like it's in really poor taste to be elated as if to 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 the degree that like society has been fixed or like this huge important right that leads to all to, to like you know some like beautiful supreme justice right, like has now been there's achieved. nothing else to complain about yeah. are you happy now yeah it's just like you know let's fucking keep some perspective like let's think about what everyone is fucking going through and also just like it's it's in poor taste like if you had a friend that was like going through some horrible fucking tragedy and you got into like your first choice college you wouldn't be like all jumping up in their face and being like check it out i'm going to my favorite college when they're like going through some horrible tragedy and i just think like it shows a real fucking lack of intersectionality a lack of solidarity a short-sightedness like i just I was like really fucking fed up. Well, as as Sally was talking, full disclosure, I was very slowly and awkwardly taking down my huge rainbow flag because <laughs> it was really awkward. I, you guys. <laughs> I completely agree with you. I do have to say one thing, and this is such a hokey thing, I guess. There's some show where there's that song, We Need a Little Christmas. Mm-hmm. Every now and again, you need some good news. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it was like, I completely 100% agree with you. But it's the tiniest steps that show that direct action and protest work. Are we a million years in the past? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, it was people at least being like, okay, finally something, which is the sad part, I guess. No, I mean, I agree to some extent. I mean, the thing about marriage equality is that it really more is about 
upper middle class mainstream gay organizations that are mostly run by white cis gay people who are marginalizing everyone else in order to get what they want. It's it's not as much of a an in the streets for the people movement. Mm-hmm. So and and you know, I don't want to rain on anyone's parade. If if you know you're into marriage and you think it's awesome and you think that if you can actually articulate that this matters for equality rather than further marginalizes everyone else which I personally think it does fine but it's more just that like I don't I don't I mean I hear what you're saying and I do think you know you need a win that people need wins but it's it's hard for me to conceptualize this as a win. I am now going to go back because you just reminded me of something um a really good friend of mine used to work for an organization that is very big in the media and she ended up leaving it because it was a bunch of white cis uh gay men who wanted to throw celebrity galas constantly mm-hmm. as opposed the, to work with... Nailed it. Thank you. As opposed to work with kids in need or... or um, In New York City, there's so many homeless youths, the majority of them because they were kicked out because mm-hmm. they were gay. And, and I think you're right that a lot of the movement has been geared because a sort of heteronormative idea of mm-hmm. what love is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, you know, Supreme Court... Okay, you're in the present. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, you're you're right. I think it does definitely need to be discussed that yeah. this is not just it. Wait, let me say one more thing. Yeah. Um, this is the other thing. Like in the aftermath, there were a lot of people saying, and I mean, you can go back in my Twitter feed and basically like you can see a timeline of my rage because I tweeted all of this. But like there were people who were being really insistent on, you know, take a moment to celebrate a win. You know, you should feel better about this. And my thing is don't let anyone tell you how to feel about something. If, oh, yes. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there is this narrative that two people, that marriage equality, quote unquote, or same-sex marriage, quote unquote, is a thing that we should want and that furthers justice and furthers equality. That mainstream narrative, you can question that. You can look into the institution of marriage. You can look into, you know, the history of, like, policing people's personal lives and you know you know incentivizing people who are on welfare to get married and all this shit Mm. and you can look at marriage and decide if you think it is a tool of state control that marginalizes people or you can decide if you think it's like a just beautiful wonderful thing but whatever it is don't you don't have to listen to people. Who, I don't know if I'm saying this to myself or everyone else, but I know what you're you saying. don't have to listen to anyone, whether they're queer or straight or whatever, to tell you that you should be happy for this or that you shouldn't be. I mean, if you want to be happy about it, don't fucking listen to me. Yeah, but, um, but also, by the way, the timeline of my rage is my title for your unauthorized <laughs> autobiography I'm writing about you. That's now amazing. it's nothing but love. But no, that's a really great point. Um, I, I had a lot of thoughts. My thoughts, this is a completely different perspective, is reading the definition of marriage according to the Supreme Court and they were so fucking proud of themselves. Right. They were like, it's the most holiest of unions and everyone should be allowed to do this thing. And I was like, well, it's super antiquated. You yeah. Know? <laughs> let's so, unpack that. Let's, yeah. I, I really was having a problem with like just on social media the number of people who are in in a marriage to someone of the quote-unquote opposite sex being so much more excited for marriage equality than anyone I know who identifies as queer and it's like if you thought it was this important what the fuck are you doing in a fucking marriage like you know why weren't you like in solidarity waiting for it to you know it's like it's like kind of having it both ways and mm. I'm gonna stop talking about this I could rant forever but I will say, like, 
you know, it's important. Everyone is like, I think, learning how to be a better ally. I hope they are. I mean, I'm learning how to be a, I hate the fucking word ally, but everyone, I think, learns how to be in solidarity with other people all the time. So no shade to anyone who is doing all the things I just described in an utter state of fury and rage. But I don't know, something to take note of, right, I guess. You know, and something you said really struck a chord in me um, when you're like, don't tell me how to feel. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so I think, yeah, some people can be totally happy and mm-hmm. I would never tell them how to feel if I'm like, if this is really exciting to you, great. Mm-hmm. But if someone's like, you know, I'm not that jazzed because of X, Y, and Z, don't explain to them why they should be excited. That, exactly, exactly. So, yeah. Anyway, so I, you know, like I said, I could go on and on about this, but I just, my main thing is like, just examine what you're being told is the thing we need to fight for. I'm now done. Tell me about you. Well, Okay, so full <laughs> disclosure, we Sally and I come up with notes for the show where we 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 pick the letters by date, so we're going through date by date, you know, getting to everybody, and then we also write a little note about what we're gonna talk about mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Sally's is still TBD to be decided. It's a shared Google Doc. Mine says scabies and horrible people. I'm gonna keep this a little bit brief. I had I had a rough week and it had to do with a horrible person, but as a result, I ended up having a massive panic attack for the first time in a really long time. Oh god! It was really, really, really hard. I almost like couldn't leave the house. I had to make some phone calls, and it was very difficult. Um, but because of that, the thing that happens residually is while you're getting over a, a very long panic attack, is then everything starts to worry you. Mm-hmm. And I have this tiny rash on my chest that I've had for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit of acne, a little bit of like sunstroke, you know, no mm-hmm. big deal. But um, I found myself Googling. Oh, God. And the first thing that pops up is scabies. Oh, never Google. So now I'm on Google image search and I'm convinced, oh, that looks like, now, could it be? Sure. Do I have? No. I went so far as to call my doctor, my general practitioner, while she's on vacation right now. Oh, my and God. said, can you please just send in a prescription for scabies just in case? And she's like, yeah, fine. I mean, you only put on the cream for like 12 hours and they die and you probably don't have scabies. And by the way, if you do, no shame. They're very common. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you have a kid, you're, you're going to get scabies. It's like lice. Like they're, they're yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't have scabies, but I am taking the medication tonight. But the I reason... S- I saw it in the Google Doc and I almost... Re- you know, like in Looney Tunes when someone like runs out really fast, there's like that like wily Coyote noise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost did that. Nice. Okay. But um, I'm very glad that you don't have it. I mean, and also... Yeah don't yeah no they're fine um but if you ever have them it's totally not a big deal and get rid of them in like 12 hours anyway the reason i had a panic attack is i i did a thing based on a thing that happened to me so as you know i bartend and wait tables for part of my living other part of my living i can officially announce this by the way I did a narration for an Animal Planet show called Mauled. And it's so fucking it's awesome, hilarious. you guys. It's not hilarious. It's actually kind of uh, gruesome. It's about animals attacking people. But um, it aired in May, and I didn't know or I would have told you guys. So I knew it was maybe airing, but I was so excited, but I couldn't tell anyone. It aired. But you can find it on um, AnimalPlanet.com. It's called Mauled. Uh, you can watch free clips of it, or you can buy an episode for one ninety nine. I'd just say watch a couple clips, whatever. It is pretty good, uh, and definitely tell them you love the show. But the point is, um, I do other things, and I've had. To, uh, Wait, can I say one thing about Mald? Yes, people are really into your voice when mm-hmm. they hear the struggle bus, and probably tell the bartender. I'm sure you get it for that yeah, too. And they're like always ta- talking to you about your radio voice. 
it is nothing compared to what is going on in malls. Yeah. It is, guys, <laughs> I would recommend you watch this episode and don't even watch it. Just like listen to it. It's incredible. Like there's this, like these horrid descriptions of people being like mauled by animals, yeah. but it's like delightful yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're speaking it. Oh, yeah, one of my favorite lines was, <clears throat> I'll try to do the voice. And then the bear did the impossible. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I'm going to try to make this brief. I... Okay, so listen, I know when you wait tables and bartend, you get characters. I get characters all the time. Mm -hmm. Bad tips for no reason. Rude people, tourists. I never, ever let it get to me. And that's one woman the other day got to me so badly that I... I started to cry at the restaurant. No spoilers, but she sounds like a real sociopath. And I'm going to explain to you why it really got to me. But also, it did make me feel less than. And then I got so mad at... It goes back to privilege and your station in life. And I'm so fucking sick and tired of customers treating me like I'm pulling the wool over their eyes or trying to pull one over on them just because they're like, I'm going to spend money and treat you like a servant. You know who you should be mad at? The fucking bankers who put us in a goddamn depression. They're the ones pulling the wool over your eyes. You think when I take your order, if there's an accident in the kitchen and I go, oh, let me check on it, I'm not checking on it. But do you think if you talk to your investor and you go, um, is my mortgage safe? And they go, of course. They're the ones who are actually lying. I am legitimately going to the kitchen and making sure your fucking food comes out on time because I like people. So this woman comes in and um, she was just really weird. And... Um, I don't mean weird. I'm sorry. She just seemed like she was in a bad mood. Mm -hmm. She was with a friend and she sat down and they were seated right on time. The uh, The hostess was great. She was seating another table while they came in. And I said, oh, table. For I was behind the bar. I was like, oh, table for two. She's like, yeah, I was like, great. The hostess will be with you in one second. One second later. This is important to the story. And then um, she gets her food and I was like, how is everything? She's like, oh, it's really great. And then the back waiter comes over and she's like, can I take this away? And she's like, oh, no, we're not done yet. Okay. And then the food came out. Their entrees came out on time, I might add. And I said, how is everything? They go, oh, it's really good. And then I give them the bill and she calls the manager over. And the manager loves me, by the way, so whatever. And goes, oh, it says that the octopus was $19 in the menu, but the waitress charged me 20 And <laughs> she goes, oh, we just redid the computer. That's totally an error. So I went over and I apologized. I was like, you know what? I, I'm so sorry I missed that. They just redid the computers two Does days ago. Does she know ago. that there's a $1 difference between 19 and 20 No, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, God. And she and I said, I'm really sorry. Is there anything I can do for you? Would you like me to get you a complimentary dessert or something? Like legit, I was like nailing it. Because mm -hmm. I just knew there was something about this mm -hmm. woman. And she just looks at me and she's like, no, just the check. I mean, and I was like, because I redid the check for her. And I was like, and I went over and I, I, I've been working this business long enough. And I'm not saying I'm psychic, but I just know things yeah. about people when I'm in the room with them. And I turned to the back waiter and she was like, yeah, that woman was really rude to me when I asked her if she was done with her food. And I said, I'm going to bet you a million dollars we get less than a 10% tip and a manifesto written on the back. Oh, my God. You Wouldn't you fucking know it? The woman comes, Carrie, the back waiter, I can say her name, she doesn't care. And she goes, Catherine, you never cease to amaze me. And she writes this. <clears throat> less than a $10 tip is added. Very small tip. Very small tip. And she wrote, reasons behind Ugh. 
I want you to God. first know we were not busy. I look her straight in the eye. She had every opportunity to say this to me to my face. This is where the fucking privilege comes in because it's like, I'm going to write a note because I'm too scared to talk to a person because yeah. they don't see you as a person. Ugh. And the reasons are first, held long before got to table. Not true. Also not my fault. Two, food took forever to come. I don't think she understands the definition of forever mm-hmm. because she never would have gotten her food. <laughs> Three, food took away without asking. Again, not true. Four, neglected after main course done. And, uh, again, I mean, literally, I, that she was my only table. I was bored. I was like trying not to be too yeah, attentive, yeah. but I was pouring water and check. And five, wrong price on charge. So for those reasons, only one of them, which is technically my fault, if I didn't check in on her enough. And also could not be more of a minor error. Minor offense for those reasons. And I got fucking pissed. But then I sent it to my friend who does a blog that's very, very popular. And I crossed off her name and I crossed off everything. And he posted it and it got almost a million views. Oh my God. Thousands of shares and thousands of comments on Facebook. Don't you hope that it came across her feed and that she's utterly shamed? Yes and no, because then I had a panic attack. Like, my boss would think it was funny. But what if he went back to my boss and was, she, sorry, went back to my boss and was like, this is offensive. You know, it was kind of mean of me. I'm almost 40 fucking years old. But I also believe in public shaming. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um... I think that it would have been fucked up if you had like revealed her identity or anything. Oh, you know but what you- I did? Sorry, I didn't just send him that. I wrote a Craigslist post about her. <laughs> and amazing. I said, uh, it was under the lost and found, and it says lost, manners. And I wrote a really <laughs> nice long piece about how much I enjoy working in the service industry, how it's, you know, there's always good people and bad people, but it's a little disappointing. And, you know, next time maybe talk to your server and communicate mm-hmm. more because we're there for you. But I think why it bothered me is that I let it get to me. Mm-hmm. And I don't like being treated like I'm not a person. Mm-hmm. No shit. And she had to write down. And I mean, we all made fun of it. I also didn't accept the tip. I, I did not add in the, mm-hmm. the tip. I don't fucking need that $5. Mm-hmm. She needs it more than I do. Um, but there's something about being treated like less than. Mm-hmm. I'm literally standing over her going, is there anything I can do for you? Free dessert? And she's like, No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean... I'm sorry to keep ranting about no, this. No, it's like... We'll get to your guys' problems in a second. <laughs> Maybe. It's a holiday like, special. We're doing what, a, long, a long episode. Yeah. But like, what is happening in her head and in her life that she not only has to undertip you, which I think is like... I, I mean... I've never the only time I've ever undertipped is if is if someone like calls me some sort of epithet to my face. Like yeah. otherwise you're getting at least twenty percent. So to under tip I think is already an act of like extreme cruelty and entitlement. But to then also detail your reasons for doing so is like sociopathic. Without understanding how a restaurant works. Right. Um, she's a monster and and guys if you have any questions out there and you're like oh if you don't like your I love my job it allows me freedom to do all these things I meet so many great people the majority of customers are nice hey listen do I agree with the tipping system no it's the way it is right now Mm -hmm. so the way it is is we're making less than minimum wage we're very very nice to you for whatever reason gratuity is expected but not included Unless we fucking murder your child. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, that was a horrible thing to no, say. No, but I mean, and even then, at least 15%. At least 15%. <laughs> and you know, if you don't agree with tipping, don't eat out. Don't eat out. Just and don't. Do you remember, I don't remember what we were talking about, but when we were in Citizen Radio, we were talking about like people treating people who 
are in the service industry as if they work for you personally. Mm. Like you, you're not her personal butler. You are employed by that restaurant and she has the privilege of, you know, using the restaurant services. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like treating, treating you like you are her employee. Yeah. In a horrible way. I mean, that is no way to treat one's employee. Well, going but- back to my point, we're creating an experience for you. We're putting on a show. We know the menu. We take classes. We can guide you to have a lovely dine. I love eating out because I love it when the waiter knows what they're talking mm-hmm. about. I love it when the bartender suggests a good drink and they love it. I am that fucking person. Most of the people are. Some people have had a bad day. You never know. But we're not out to get you, you know? And if you go into a restaurant expecting someone's going to pull the wool over your eyes... You're not going to have a good experience mm-hmm. and it's going to be your fault. Right. Um, some of the times I m- most quickly pulled the plug on OkCupid dates were when they were either like being racist in a coded way mm. or they were rude to like servers or bartenders. Huge. I was just like, you're a monster and a garbage person and I don't want to be in your presence right now, let alone on another date. It's a wrap. Yeah. yeah. Huge red flag. Have I had rude, you know, white people? Yeah. But part of me is like, you know... When you go through a breakup, you can't not go to work the next day. Right, right, right. We just don't know what they're going through. Unless they're outright the worst rude... Con- I only had one waitress I'd said something to. Just mm-hmm. one. Because she made my mother cry. Oh my gosh. And I said, you know, that really hurt my mom's feelings. Do you mind apologizing? And then she felt bad. Because mm-hmm. she's a human. You know? Yeah. She was still pretty terrible. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just... Um, it, that's really monstrous. What she did is really monstrous. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah. Even if the service was really bad, I mean, I, I guess then what you could do talk is... Talk to the manager. Yeah, do talk to the manager or maybe like if usually you tip 20%, maybe tip 15. But like, I think, I don't, I would never even do that. But also, but under tipping to that extent and writing that manifesto is just fucking I wretched. have had customers tell me, you know what, I didn't like the food very much. And I immediately tell the manager and we get them something mm-hmm. else on the house. That's how it works. If you can't, I only sent back a glass of wine once. They didn't get mad at me. They were like, right. oh, you know what? You're right. It was a bad glass of mm-hmm. wine. Like everyone's there to help each other. It's a, it's an experience. It's like, a, it's a, I don't know. It's it's not a place to shit on people. Right. Totally. I wonder if she's the kind of person who like went to bed that night and was like, man, I feel great. I really stuck it to that restaurant and server that, you know, ruined my day. Or if she went to sleep and was like, I'm a fucking horrible person. I can't believe I did that. You know, people like that are just miserable and... It is what it is. True. Yeah. So I, I hope she's doing all right. All right. Let's get to your guys' problem. Sorry about that. I guess we'll move we on. We had some rants. Um, all right. So we have a real quick update from Voices in My Head, the vegan. Mm-hmm. It turns out, um, she said, thank you so much. Her boss is actually a really nice person. Uh, to recap, this is the person who uh, had a reaction mm-hmm. to her boss because this woman's vegan and he said something about animal hunting and she got very mad. But it turns out, she said that he's really nice more 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 like a big brother than a bully but she was blindsided by his comment it was more like that but he's a really good person and then uh later in the week he actually uh he stopped having a conversation about killing an antelope i'm paraphrasing this letter telling the coworker, you know what it wasn't appropriate to discuss it in the work area which is really cool so somebody maybe spoke to him about it or maybe he realized he wasn't whatever and then she wrote um, I do not talk about my veganism at work. We sell meat after all. If someone asks me about it, I am honest and try not to be preachy. I've been vegan for 18 years. Not one of my family are, so I'm aware you can't change people. <laughs> Thanks for your kind words. Keep up the fabulous job. And then she sent a picture to Sally. Not to me, but that's okay. She said, Sally, here's an answer to all those bacon bullies. Meet Moondog. 
the cutest fucking pig ever. He's a very, very cute pig. Yeah, yeah. He's smart, sweet, and lovable. He is a runt. So thanks for the update. Yeah. All right, let's get to the first email. Uh, Sally, do you want to read this one? I, I feel like I've been talking too much. No, no, not enough in my <laughs> estimation. Do we need to do a, um, a pseudonym? Oh, the, yeah, this person actually has written in before, and she writes in and says, you can use my real name, but I feel bad missing out on an assigned one. Oh, okay. Should so we just like give her one? Her real name is Sarah and okay. she's written in hey, before. Sarah. But let's call her something cool. Okay, let's think of something amazing. Um, have you seen the Foresight Saga? No. Okay, first of all, I need you to stop this podcast right now. Wonderful. Go to Netflix. Great. Okay, we're back. It was amazing. <laughs> Hi, you guys. <laughs> Hi, you guys. <laughs> okay, it's called Foresight Saga and it's this uh, British miniseries. I guess on the BBC and I think it's like from the late 80s or I don't know it seemed from the ni- early 80s or 90s anyway I don't know but it's amazing Perfect. and I think that we should give her a pseudonym from the Foresight Saga um, and there's a really fucking kick-ass character named June wonderful let's go with June wonderful okay I hope you don't mind that I just had a very long preamble just for your name no I think she'll be happy that you didn't even need Sarah aka June mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. hi Kate and Sally it's me heteronormativity as superpower Sarah I mean June you can use my real... Oh, right. Okay. So I was listening to the Surprise Assholes episode. Loved it. I work with LGBT youth in a rural and not super accepting area, and everything you said was so on point and useful, and I'll be passing along what you said and telling my lovely merry band of queer youth to listen to you. If they hear this... Oh, well. Hi, kids. Hi. So, he- <laughs> so here's the deal. I've always had social anxiety, trouble reading emotions, knowing the quote-unquote right way to act in any given situation. I get obsessed with things. I have anxiety attacks slash meltdown slash the vapors. <laughs> um, totally it, reclaimable. That's her That's her comment. I love that. Amazing. I love that. Um, at random shit and then need hours to recover. Eye contact scares the shit out of me. For years I've been saying I am, quote, like an autistic person, but I have empathy. Uh, end quote. Turns out this is a massively ignorant thing to say because autistic people do have empathy, often so much so that they feel paralyzed by it, like I do. Oh. Yeah, it turns out I'm probably on the autistic spectrum. And when I sounded out my my closest friends, turned out a lot of them had thought I was autistic for years, but was not out to them. I went to my GP and uh, he said, yes, high-functioning autism Asperger sounded right, but he'd have to refer me for, for an assessment. Thing is, and I don't want to run the NHS down because it's awesome and we love it. I actually work for the National Health Service as a sex educator. Awesome. They hire sex educators because prevention is better and cheaper than the HIV meds. How cool is that? But the thing is, some areas like mental health are criminally underfunded and I have a long ass wait before I even have a chance of an official diagnosis. I imagine there are people in the US who can't afford a diagnosis. I looked into going private and there's no way. So what do you think the etiquette is for coming out with a self-diagnosis? The last thing I want to be is one of those people like my boss who says, Oh, well, I think we're all a bit autistic. Oh, God, boy. that's fucking horrible. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> I don't want to claim the la- label lightly, but at the same time, it makes so much sense. So what are your thoughts on self-diagnosis? Love the show, June. I love this question, and I think in the past, I've been guilty of making an autism joke or mm-hmm. something. I'm, yeah. And now I have you know, family members, and I know people, and I'm like, oh, right. It's, yeah, it's, I know. I casually say stuff. I mean, I said it earlier in the show, I said insane. I say it with the all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So just so you know, we, we do watch our language because we understand that it could affect people. Um, this is a great question because it, I, I don't know the answer, but I have a suggestion mm-hmm. maybe just because. Uh, so for example, I couldn't even talk about this until very recently. I have very severe OCD. Like it's when I get like my anxiety, like I'm doing nothing but counting in my head and mm-hmm. speaking backwards because that's my like way to calm myself down Mm -hmm. it sounds very weird but I'm just sharing that with you because 
it was humiliating growing up and having this problem and, and shrinks thought I was crazy because of it. But it turns out that it's a diagnosis and I didn't get the diagnosis till later in life. Mm -hmm. And then I was relieved. Uh, it infuriates me when people say, that's my OCD. Mm -hmm. um, but I also understand that that's, they don't understand it. I don't tell people, I just told all of you thousands of people, but <laughs> I don't tell people often until I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I feel the room out. And if for some reason I feel someone shared something with me and it would help for them to know, then I mention like, yeah, I've had OCD since I was a kid. It's part of my anxiety and, you know, I'm dealing with it. But I, I normally don't make it a, a daily occurrence to talk about it. And it's a personal choice just because I don't feel enough people know about it. Mm -hmm. And I think in your case, there's a lot of people who have a stigma against mm -hmm. autism that you just, you know, read the room but don't feel like you shouldn't say it, mm -hmm. right? Don't feel like you couldn't say it. Um, so just because you haven't been officially diagnosed, just recognize that there's something that you have some maybe sensory things or, you know, not looking people in the eye. If maybe people ask you about it, you can be like, you know, I don't know, Sally, do you want to help me out here? Does that um, make any sense? Yeah, I, I mean, I think, um, I mean, one thing that's just in terms of like maybe a, pra a more practical approach is I would think that this is a not uncommon occurrence um, with your weird country where you guys get healthcare because your it's, government thinks you're human beings who deserve healthcare. That's, that's just um, unheard of. I, I, sorry, I can't wrap my mind around it. But mm -hmm. um, it must not be that uncommon though for people to be on some kind of a wait list. Is there any way that there are like message boards or like communities of people talking online about this very thing um, well then she'll think she has scabies that's true whatever you do don't google <laughs> don't scabies. google scabies um but i don't know so i mean i just i feel like um there are online communities of people who talk who kind of talk about every single thing so if you are if you happen to be having an experience there's a message board that's talking about having it so i kind of wonder if you could take this to like the, an online community and see what people do but um I guess the other thing I would say is that um, I think, I hear what you're saying. I think it's sort of tricky to, you know, um, kind of declare yourself kind of like a member of a community almost without yeah. there being some sort of like official word that you, you quote unquote have a right to be there. I totally understand what you, you're saying. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, it sounds like this really feels right to you and really clicks with you. And so I think, um, I think it might be one of those things that like some things require a lot of words and are complicated to explain but in order to accurately describe what you want to and be sort of um true to what you're trying to say you you do have to explain them with a lot of words so it's it, I think it's you know it's more complicated to say yeah so here's the thing like I haven't officially been diagnosed but this makes a lot of sense and I'm pretty sure this is what it is like yes it takes longer to say that than to say you know um I I'm autistic or I'm on the spectrum or something like that I, I think that it's I don't really know another way of like really explaining your situation I, I'm actually going to take back something I said about um not being able to say it because uh she says I don't want to claim the label lightly but at the same time it makes and this is in all caps so much sense you know what there's something really empowering about claiming it actually mm -hmm. so if it makes you feel better to claim that you're on a spectrum to anyone if for whatever reason it makes you feel more comfortable or confident I say you know, what are my thoughts on self-diagnosis? You're talking to a girl who thought she had scabies. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, do what Sally did, but I would say there's nothing wrong with saying, I feel like I'm on the spectrum. 
you know, and um, I'm, I'm seeking help and I'm, or, or uh, you know, um, evaluation mm-hmm. and ended at that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's a much quicker way of saying what I just said. No, no, but, but you, yeah, you yeah. helped lead me to the thought. Teamwork. Teamwork. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, it's like a tricky thing. I think it's hard to like, you know, c- claim something, you know, although, you know, I think there are probably a lot of people who would say like, you know, doctors aren't the gatekeepers of, you know, who I am and what's going on inside me. And, you know, I, I you know, so maybe there are people who are cool with self-diagnosis. And, you know, yeah. you're, you're clearly a very sensitive person because you're already thinking ahead about it and want to hurt these people's feelings. But there's a huge difference between saying jokingly, ugh, I'm so manic sometimes, mm-hmm. as opposed to someone who says, you know, I feel very manic sometimes, mm-hmm. even if they haven't been diagnosed with mm-hmm. manic depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. And someone like that, I would take very seriously, even if they hadn't officially gotten the seal of approval from a doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, I just, I think that you can, you know, like I said, it will take more words to do it, but I think that, um, you know, you're really articulate, like, and you articulate all this really beautifully in this email, so if you can sort of... We have some... Sum it up. Awesome British fans. Should we go to England Probably and do a show? Yeah, let's do a show in England. Oh, God, I would love that. That'd be amazing. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much. What was the name again? June. 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 And also, watch June, like the month, and also everyone go watch the Foresight Saga. Which I just did. It's on Netflix. Mid-show. Catherine just did. All right, this is from, this is my next favorite name. You, you're all amazing. Battle Cat. And the reason they chose Battle Cat is because, quote, not quote, uh, parentheses, because I also loved Shira and He-Man. Oh my God, I have the power. What? Can I tell you what a He-Man obsessive I was when I was a kid? Oh my God. Yes. Did you have the action figures? Yes, everything. I Shira, had Castle, Castle, I had Castle, Castle Grayskull. Shut up. I was obsessed. Shira, I couldn't really be bothered with. I don't know why. Probably I, I was like a tiny misogynist. But I, I called someone Skeletor the other day and they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you're you're dead to me. Banned for life. Mm. Uh, so anyway, whatever your question is, Battle Cat, I'm really into it. Yes. All right, Battle Cat. Firstly, I was listening to the Double Decker Struggle Bus where you were discussing a listener's letter about labeling gender and sexuality. In some Canadian First Nations groups, they have a spectrum of gender and sexuality that ranges, at most I've heard, to 22 different perspectives. Everything from finding someone of the same sex attractive but not wanting to engage in physical sexual activity to wanting to be the opposite sex and engaging in a same-sex relationship. Not belonging to that spectrum, I do not want to generalize, but there is a catch-all term called two-spirited that is being overused to encapsulate that spectrum. Just thought I'd throw in another 17 terms to possibly confuse people. I just wanted to relate this because dichotomies can be a very Western perspective and solutions can often be found in indigenous cultures. Secondly, my struggle with my struggle is with taking things too personally and not letting go. How? Uh, this is Kate talking. Speaking of not letting things go. Uh, <laughs> my rant. Okay. Back to uh, Battle Cat. Racially, I am indigenous and I have trouble with people's looks and glances, mainly because I can't identify if their looks of disgust are racially motivated or because I'm fat. I'm fucking gorgeous, by the way, but it's disarming to have that on the street because I do get street harassed because men want to sleep with me and because they want to yell at me for being fat and because they think I should go home. But mainly, like anyone's first reaction when someone is looking at you with disgust, you think it's because you dropped something on your dress or have a pen smudge on your face or something. It rattles me, but not for long. Simple struggle answer. Who fucking cares? Just ignore them. Also, feel free to share your street harassment stories on hollowback websites. Do, by the way. But this also spills into my work as an indigenous advocate. 
Without identifying my community or my community's issues, I have to generalize, but I do not mean all indigenous communities. As my organization's representative, I'm often asked to give opinions about my indigenous community at various meetings. It's hard to always have to reiterate that I speak for my organization and not for my people. These meetings are often with government representatives who have the ability to fund or defund programs, so I must choose my words carefully. I often have to educate them on the most basic history of my people and what role my organization plays and why it's important to consult with my people and that one meeting with me does not equal consultation. Language and definitions are also important to me because it means the difference between being included in laws and policy or being excluded. So I'm upset they're not bringing their A-game to meetings and are not invested in the process. Also, I get a lot of societal flack and excuses, quote-unquote, for being fat for various indigenous reasons like, first, they don't have access to fresh fruits and vegetables. Second, they retain more energy from their food because historically they had bouts of famine. Three, their traditional diets have more fats and calories. Four, and my favorite, they don't know how to make healthy foods. People also feel comfortable or think it's appropriate to discuss these foods with me during breaks at conferences. Like now that we're out of the meeting room, we're buddies. Here's what I really think. Fuck this shit. I'm fat because I'm stress eating from having to deal with ignorant people all the time. I grew up in a metropolis with my non-indigenous family members and had all the access and advantages. I hate the idea that society, in fact, government officials in charge of continuing relationships with indigenous people think, oh, it's a shame what happens to them, but it's not something that they know how to deal with. So am I taking things too personally? Am I not separating me from my people enough? Yes, I feel like people aren't listening to indigenous peoples and I feel like people on the street and at meetings are getting the wrong idea about who I am and what I represent. Where would you draw the line and let go? Hold on, Battle Cat. Seriously. That was, that said a lot of things that I've wanted to express but didn't have the words mm-hmm. because I don't have that experience. Yeah. Sally, thoughts? There's a lot in here. There's a lot in here. Um, Thank you for writing that. I don't think that you're taking things too personally. I think that, in fact, taking things too personally is this, like, kind of fake concept that, you know, we're that we're supposed to, like, not really feel strongly about people being, like, mean or assholes or cruel or um, indifferent. Um, so I don't think there's such a thing. I mean, I think the thing there is such a thing as is internalizing other people's ignorance and cruelty and hatred and you know it becoming a thing that makes you hate either yourself or your situation or your work or whatever um but which sucks and it sort of sounds like um when you asked am I not separating me from my people enough and I mean I think the the trick of the work that you're doing is like a really unbelievably tall order which is like it sounds like the work requires you in fact to really like not separate yourself from your community because you're a representative of your community but then at the same time separate yourself to the extent that like you can protect yourself from feeling like shit Mm. and that's really fucking hard and I think that self-care is kind of the name of the game like I think um you know there's there must be ways for you to take care of yourself in an ongoing way so that when these things happen and people are being like ignorant assholes it doesn't totally ruin your day and make you feel like shit 
I'm also getting from this that you wanted people, you wanted us to read this letter because you want this to be heard because mm-hmm. this makes you very angry. And you made it very clear that you can't really talk about this at your job for a lot of reasons, financial or whatnot. You're representing different things. You're a really good writer. I wonder if, and this is just throwing it out there, it might be therapeutic maybe anonymously, to start writing articles or pieces about this because this is a major thing. We have it here. I think you're from Canada. We have it here too where they're like, oh, there's food deserts. And then then there was an article in the Times recently like, oh, we brought all these fresh produce to Harlem and the women aren't making it for their children. Yeah, because they're working 10 fucking jobs. Are you you insinuating they're like stupid and don't know how to eat? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a lot easier to eat. It's too, like, it's, the point is, this is a major problem everywhere and someone like you if you can find a platform outside of your work because i completely understand that be a conflict of interest if you can find a platform of your own to talk about it or write about it for Mm -hmm. someone this is really important for people to know because a lot of this is ignorance right i'll bet you people listening now are going oh you know what i never thought about Mm -hmm. that i even was reading this going oh and i never thought about that i don't know what it feels like to have someone say oh because you're of this culture you must have this body thing because your people ate right. this. Holy fucking shit. So you're you're an educator. And mm-hmm. it, it does sound to me like you're pissed and you want people to know it, but you feel like you can't tell people mm-hmm. in the line of work you're in. So uh, going back to are you taking it personally, letting things go, some of the best ways to let things go are to address them mm-hmm. and maybe nip it in the bud head mm-hmm. on in a different way and we do recognize that it may not be a safe space at your work yeah thoughts yeah I agree with everything you said and also like I mean I wonder if there are I'm not you know, telling you to like get a new job or something like that but I, I, I just wonder if like if you find that the line of your work you're in really makes it difficult for you to live in a like a happy fulfilled way um maybe it's like actually just a line of work that's not good for you to be in um like maybe there are ways that you can be an advocate and do what you're doing, but um, not have to like interface with like these assholes in the same way. Um, or maybe, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I do think that it's fine for people to realize that there are certain jobs that actually aren't good for them to do mm. because it they break you down and they make you feel terrible and... Um, yeah try waitressing yeah there you go um no but like I you know I think like it practicing self-care and when you're doing any kind of like this work is so fucking important Mm. um but I do think that like sometimes self-care isn't enough sometimes it's really I mean I remember like when I was an organizer I worked with people who um I mean, I was like an ally to the community I was working with. And so when things were hard for me, they were like a hundred million times harder for the people I was working with. And um, it can really fucking, it can really break you down. It can really, really fucking break you down. And sometimes self-care isn't enough. Mm. You know, I just watched the Anita Hill documentary. Oh my God, we did too. And um, she regained her, mm-hmm. she was, I mean, just shat on. Oh my God. And she's just an amazing woman. Like she she made it her, she's like, you know, unfortunately, this is now my life's work to bring attention to this. And I'm not saying you need to go out and, you know, be, you know, because that's, that's a whole other 
ball of shit when you become a spokesperson mm-hmm. for something that you believe in because you do get harassed uh, even more than you already are. But um, it might make you feel better to at least maybe start off writing an anonymous article or something and mm-hmm. just sort of get it out there. Um, also, you mentioned Hollaback. I love Hollaback. For those of you who don't know what it is, uh, when you're street harassed, if you can catch it on video or photo or can pub- or just want to write your story, it's a safe space. Put it on a website. It's a community of, of men and women who, you know, just say, "I'm." this happened to me today on the street. And um, it's a, it's just like a nice little safe mm-hmm. space to, to complain. Um, yeah, there was so much in there, but I'm just going to go back to you're a great writer and it sounds like you're pretty badass Mm -hmm. and uh, I want to hear more from you yeah I I haven't said this in a while so I'll say it now like um a lot of times if there are things that are getting to you and you feel pretty sure that you feel angry or bad in a way that's like not not necessarily not commensurate with like the offense but in a way that's like distracting you from like living your life and getting on with your life it I mean doing something like therapy can help you sort of figure it out um which is not to say like oh this isn't their fault for being ignorant assholes Mm. this is your fault for not processing it right it's not that at all um it's just that sometimes one needs an assist on how to deal with like a constant fucking onslaught of you know um you know i don't know prejudice bigotry ignorance racism um in addition to like needing structural change to come about but since you're the person who's like in the process of trying to make that change happen um it's important to care for yourself along the way so i don't know if that's an option for you but it's just one thing to think about being in therapy gave me a toolbox twice the size of my apartment to deal with certain triggers Mm -hmm. that was stunting my lifelong you know just ambitions and such um and so there's little ways that can help you get through the really tough times and some of the shit you're dealing with so battle cat just hang in there battle keep on being you man that's awesome all right Let's do it. Let's make it a long episode. Let's do it, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wait, did you just read or did I? You no, read, I right? just read. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is, is... You can use the name, the, the first one. Under the email? Yeah, not the one in red. Okay, Sorry, perfect. Guys. Okay. <laughs> a little behind the scenes here. Okay, so this is from Setsuna. Mm-hmm. Um, Dear Kate and Sally, uh, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. I found you both when you were guests on Keith and the Girl. Thank you. Thank you. Good episode. Everyone go listen to it. Yes. Again. Or for the first time. (laughs) I find that your advice is very helpful. And yes, I wanted to ask you for some if that could be okay. I'm having some problems with intimacy. When I had a penis, I hated if anyone touched it. It was a reminder that what I felt was not what I had. I could masturbate, but my my imagination allowed me to ignore this flaw. Now let us go back to September 11th, 2013. I had sex reassignment surgery, but things did not go smooth. I was quote unquote leaky and I started to bleed out seven and nine days later. The second time on the 20th, they went in to sew things up. Now coming home intact, I messed up my dilations. I spent a good two months dilating my urethra, which caused my vagina to collapse. I have been battling UTIs since, but things are turning around. I have most of my depth back, and everyone helping me is amazed that I have come so far. I feel like this is how I've always been, and my heart skips in a shiny tune. Hmm. Still, I keep pushing women away because I still don't wish anyone to touch or look at it who is not medical personnel i want to be intimate but despite knowing that i can't start bleeding again i am in fear that i'm going to start do you have any suggestions thank you Mm -hmm. yeah um first of all it's great that you your heart skips in a shiny tune Mm -hmm. that's awesome um and if you are a fan of keith and the girl you do know that hemda's husband lauren is transgender and and is going through uh uh, he talks about how he was born female but always wanted a phantom penis and so I can 
not I can't relate, but I remember hearing him say mm-hmm. that and understanding that you were not happy with yours. Um, as with any surgery, uh, like a friend of mine just had a mastectomy, things like mm-hmm. that, she didn't want her even her husband to look at her just because it's your own personal, it's mm-hmm. your body. And if you're not comfortable with your body, you are definitely not going to be comfortable sharing it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I have a zit, I don't want my boyfriend to see me. So you're not, you know, this is not unheard of. And of course, you're worried about uh, bleeding in the medical procedure. Um, take some time. Take some time with your body. Uh, you have some new things going on, and you did have some health problems. Um, if you do meet somebody who you think you want to share this with, a simple uh, conversation about it saying, I'm afraid of this just so you know, so we can go s- slow, and if they don't want to, they can go fuck themselves. I know easier said than done, but um, you'd be surprised how understanding mm-hmm. some people can be. Um, yeah. Sally? Yeah, no, I... I was like nodding um, slowly along with what you said. I agree. I mean, I think that um, it's fucking awesome where where you are right now. I mean, you had health problems after your surgery. It sounds like you worked and really major hard. Surgery major too, surgery. Yeah. It sounds like you worked really hard to um, deal with them, which is amazing. And you know, I think that um, I think the intimacy piece is already for a lot of people like most people a thing to figure out and struggle with and then I think you know for you know people who are dating post any surgery but particularly you know gender confirmation surgery um it's a whole nother ball of wax and I think it's like again like like Catherine said easier said than done but like if you can lay down that foundation of trust when you meet someone like yeah I mean like one night stands maybe they're not in the you know in your immediate future just because it's like too uncomfortable to navigate that terrain so quickly but you know maybe it's like dating getting to know someone and being like hey I'm a take it slow kind of person which is a very very common thing for people to want to take it slow and you know framing it in that way might help um I think I, I wonder also if there are people and maybe you already know this and this is kind of a dumb suggestion, but I wonder if there are people that you know or that you could find that are in similar situations and have navigated those situations and could either, you know, be like, oh, here's what I did in that situation or just be like, hey, I was there too and here's how it's going to feel, but then here's how it's going to feel better. And maybe that's more useful than like hearing from me and Catherine about it. Yeah, definitely try to talk to somebody who's gone through a similar thing and I think you might feel not so alone and start feeling more comfortable yeah so yeah that's it that's it that's everything that's all of our rants all of the emails yeah let us know how you're doing awesome um all right yes so if you want to tweet at us uh at struggle bus pod gmail us i I keep saying that gmail us gmail us let's do it email us at struggle bus podcast at gmail.com use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 uh, we can also tweet at Sally T at SPK Heller. I'm sorry. After all that advice, I have like a brain fart. I'm like, woof. I know. I Well, I that felt that way actually after the second email. I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I have more thoughts. But yeah. we did. I think we did. We okay. did. Oh we yeah, did. we have okay. thoughts. We have thoughts for days. Right? Um, Sally, you have the song of the week. I'm so excited. Me too. What is it? I take this responsibility very seriously. Um, so it always I give takes... like a cool 60%. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> um, it takes me a while to pick out songs. But this one came to me in a flash because it's so perfect considering what I was ranting about in the beginning of the show, um, which is... Um, this, the song is called Subliminal Fascism, and it's by Fishbone, the band Fishbone, and it is from their album Truth and Soul, which I think is from like 1988 or 89, 88. 
And um, it's a really short song and Fishbone isn't for everyone because they have kind of, I think, like a ska vibe. Ska, yeah. Yeah, but they should be for everyone because they're amazing and political and every one of their songs is political and has something to say. But I particularly like this one for this week because I was just, I've just been thinking a lot about like I was saying before, like what the mainstream narrative is and what we're hearing all around us and just like think about what's ha- what the subtext is of everything instead of, you know, accepting things at face value, whether it's things that the left is saying or things that the right is saying or mainstream media or whatever. So with all that said, Subliminal Fascism by Fishbone. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye, guys. Listen to them when